on Sunday you delivered in this place on Sunday you set captives free on Sunday you opened the heavens on Sunday how can we ever thank you enough oh Lord thank you for the miracles oh Lord thank you for all that you did in this place Lord we are just so grateful Lord we can't thank you enough oh Lord your presence was so felt so much felt oh God Father we just appreciate you, oh God. Oh, Lord, we are grateful. We are grateful. We are grateful, Lord. We say thank you, Lord. We give you praise, oh Lord. We exalt you, our King. We can never, never thank you enough. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do. Thank you for making this place indeed, not just by name, but by in reality, this place, God's favorite house. Oh, Father, we are grateful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, everlasting Father. Oh, we give you praise, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Praise the Lord. All right, God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you very much. Amen. You know what God did in this place on Sunday? Is, for me, it's still, it's, it's still amazing. It's, it's, uh, I'm still in awe of God. You know, um, y yesterday we were trying to make phone calls to, to the people that came, uh, the first timers that came, and just trying to establish connections with them. And the, the responses that we were getting, I, I was like, wow. You know, when, when someone ca you call someone and the person says, hello, and say, okay, I'm calling from God's favorite house. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, a first timer. It's, that could only be God. That could only be a, a God experience, you know. So he picks the phone and he's like, "Who is this strange? Who is this strange number?" And he just hears God's favorite house, and it goes so excited. Only God can make that kind of impact in people's lives, and we just cannot thank Him enough, you know. People call. I mean, first timers, and immediately they say, "Ah, that's my church. That's my church. That, that's ah." We're asking, okay, are we going to be seeing you again? Thanks for coming. And they're saying, oh, no, 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 I don't. Yes, 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 I'm coming back Sunday. Maybe it's two services, 8 o'clock on their own. That could only be God. That could only be God. And, of course, it's you people that are here that brought those people to church. So let's put our hands together for what God is doing through you. Amen. Praise God. I, I just want to share, I mean, what God did for me on Sunday. Um, uh, for some people, you may think it's little, but it's actually the way I, I this is what I ask God for, for God. And um, it's one of the things I ask God to do for me. So, I think it was the, 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 the week of uh, the praise chain, I suddenly had this pain somewhere in, around my nose in this place. And... A few days after, later, the pain persisted, and I felt it, and it began to swell. And it began to swell, and I was like, ah. I, I told my wife about it. I showed it to her. She said, eh, it's just a small swelling. But the pain was actually not, I mean, you can imagine in between my teeth and my lip and my nose. And it was getting really nasty. I've never been, 
Okay, I've, I've seen a dentist once in my life, in my entire life. My entire life. I've never been, I've, just once, and it was like, I just went to play. Not like there was anything wrong. So, on the, during the week of the vigil, initially I said, I'll just ignore it and move on. But the pain was so bad, I had to go to a, a, a dentist to see what was wrong. But as God will have it, I, I mean, I've never been to a dentist, so I didn't know a dentist. I just Googled, and I realized there was one at uh, VGC, and I went there. I got there. The place was opened. Lo and behold, the, de- the dentist was sick and was not on duty. So I had to carry my pain back and move on. Second day, I went there again in the morning. They had not opened, and they didn't open at the regular time. I was like, ah. Why is this? And the pain was, I mean, by Friday, Pastor Richard, remember I showed you that stuff, right? It was really, really painful at that time. I, I mean, it was, I was struggling with it. So I just said to myself, look, by, by, Friday, by Thursday, by Thursday I had made up my mind I was not even going to go to the dentist again. I was going to trust God for healing. And that's, because I knew that, okay, if I went, maybe they'll give me drugs and they tell me I need to eat, meaning I have to break my fast and I didn't want to. So I said, ah, I'm moving on. What God will do, God will do. And the thing started swelling. It's, I mean, it, got, it's, it's, it spread all over my, I mean, across. You couldn't see from outside, but it was real pain inside my mouth. So I let it go. And I was trusting God throughout the vigil on Friday, trusting God Saturday that something's going to happen. And nothing happened throughout the service. Nothing happened. And I was like, ah. So at the end of the service, I just said, okay, Monday, now at least, what has, I mean, I didn't die, and I didn't break my fast, praise God, so I go to the dentist on Monday. So I was standing outside there, and Pastor Lola just walked past me and said, oh yeah, Pastor K, follow me. And I followed her, just, I didn't know where she said I should, I just, she just said, follow me, and I just followed her. And as it was, pastor was praying with some some of those of us that actually were coasting and at the end of the coasting at the end of the prayers we shared holy communion and i took the communion and immediately i felt relief immediately i i i was like okay maybe it's just in my mind i got home i slept i woke up by around six o'clock it had totally melted away. Everything, completely. Right now, no pain. No pain. Praise God. Now, that testimony actually brings us into the opening of what we're going to be talking about, some of the things we're going to be talking about today. Amen. So, we'll, we'll be opening the text to Luke chapter 17, 11 to 14. Praise God. Luke 17, 11 to 14. I'll read it. It says, As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered the village there, as he entered the village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their 
leprosy. Praise the Lord. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Verse 14 says, he looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. The way I understood this is that as soon as he looked at them and he said what he said, as soon as he looked at them, God had sent the healing. Jesus had, I mean, he had healed them at that instance. But there was still something they needed to do, which was for them to use their legs to begin to go to where to show themselves to the priest, which was the instruction. And until then, until when they did that, the reality of the healing did not kick in. Praise God. The reality of the healing did not kick in. Praise God. So, a number of times when we are trusting God for healing, when we are trusting God to have an experience of him, when we are trusting God for him to do something, our obedience, the completeness of our obedience is actually what will determine how much of what God has in store for us that we get. So our obedience must be complete. If you have the outline, you can feel that there. It says our obedience must be complete to fully enter into what God has in store for you. So, for, I mean, using my, the, the, my, my testimony, they said we should fast. Yes, I fasted. They said, I mean, those that wanted to coast to coast, I coasted. Apparently, I didn't, I didn't know that pastor usually would pray with those that coast. I didn't know. It was actually my first... Uh, and I, I mean, they, apparently they've been doing it before now, and I didn't know. Thank God for Pastor Lola that saw me. And that was how. Because I probably would have gone to the clinic today, they would have given me an injection, and I would still have testified and said, praise God, the pain is gone. But God had a better plan. God would have still healed me through the doctor, through the dentist. Amen? We know that that's what would have happened, right? God would have still healed me. But God actually had in mind to perfect what he wanted to do himself to take all the glory so the completeness of, of our obedience when we hear the instruction when we, God tells us what we need to do when we do it completely that's when we are able to enter fully into what God has in plan for us second kings 13 14 to 18 also tells us a similar story a story of Jehoshaphat second kings 13 2 Kings 13, 14 to 18. It says, when Elisha was in his last illness, King Jehoash, sorry, not Jehoshaphat, Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioters of Israel, he cried. Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. He obeyed. Elisha told him, put your hands on the bow. And Elisha laid his hands on, on the king's hands. The king obeyed. Then he commanded, open that eastern window. And he opened it, obeyed again. Then he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow. He still obeyed. Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow. An arrow of victory over Aram. For you will completely conquer the Aramians at Afek. Then he said, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up, obedience again, and struck the ground three times. 
But the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times, he exclaimed. Then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. Now you will be victorious only three times. Same example. He obeyed and obeyed and obeyed and obeyed and got to a point where he was like, three is okay, now let's move on. But what happened? His victory, which was still a victory, was cut short. Amen. Because it defeated Aram, it defeated them three times. But God actually, God's plan was for him to be victorious forever. You will not abort your mission in the mighty name of Jesus. So today we'll also be looking at a few characters in the Bible who experienced open heavens like we all did experience open heavens on Sunday. Amen. And how they secured their open heavens. And what they did after the heavens was opened. So we start with Jacob. Jacob, Genesis 28. Genesis 28. 10 to 22. Genesis 28. We share this story on Sunday. And I'll just breeze through very quickly. It says, Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled towards Iran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord and he said, I am. And, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The, the ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Praise God. This is God making a promise. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't aware of it. So Jacob was experiencing open heavens, and he was not aware. But he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. So the next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named that place Bethel, which means the house of God. Although it was previously called Luz, then Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set, set up will become a place of worshiping God. And I will present to God a tent of everything he gives me. Praise God. So this was Jacob experiencing... His own open heavens. He slept and the heavens opened. And he saw angels ascending and descending. Of course, when we know that when angels appear, they don't just show up to come and dance or to come and gist. They are there on a mission. So they are usually there to bring things or bring good tidings or bring a message or something from God. So he knew that this was God engaging him. His heavens were opened. So what did he do? To ensure that that heavens remained open 
and to ensure that he, he maximized the opportunity. The first thing he did when he woke up was that he built an altar to worship. He built the altar immediately. An altar for worship. So now that we've experienced open heavens in our lives, in our businesses, in our families, in our careers, in our businesses, in our homes, we, have, we, have, we are already feeling God. What altar are we building for God? What altar to sustain it? Because no, want, we don't want it to be a one-time experience. What altar are we building for God? What altar are we, are we, are we, are we worshiping God to show his appreciation to, to show appreciation to him? Praise God. This was what Jacob did, and, and he was committed to it because he, he, he took the stone. Which, which, was, which he used as, uh, to sleep and he used that as a foundation to build the altar as a memorial pillar so that he would be looking at it and say, ah, it was when I slept on this stone that God, the maker of the heavens and the earth, visited me. Because that's how God wants us to, us to be able to ex- ex- engage him. We should be able to say, ah, it was on October 6, 2019 that my life turned around. God, for this, I thank you. We should be able to engage God. That's how God will know that, okay, we understand what happened. He built an, an altar of worship in memorial. The second thing he did was that he made a vow. He said, if I return safely to my father's house, this, are, this is what I will do. He made a vow immediately. What are you committing to God? Concerning now that he has opened the heavens over you, what are you committing? What are you pledging? What are you promising God it could be your time it could be your resources it could be you know <laughs> yesterday I said we were calling we were calling the people that came first timers normally we would just be myself and some of my team, the team members that will be doing the calls but the number of people that God brought into this place on Sunday was, was really plenty well over 200 new people that never experienced gospel at house before. So we had to call, call up people to come and help and support. And boom, everybody, they, they showed up and it was a breeze. This, they committed. They, they committed their own time. What are you also going to be committing now, going forward, to secure your open heavens? Jacob also did what? He tithed. He says, and I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. You know, like Pastor would say, the tithe is not a New Testament thing. And again, we can see it very clearly here. This was even before the law. This was before the law. A tithe is actually, I mean, a way of honoring God with what God has given to you. The way I see tithe is like, you step back and you look at what you have and you say, wow, God, you did this, take this. Only me, all of this, take this. Praise God. You know, <laughs> this month, I had um, a few obligations, financial obligations, which I had to made, make. And there was one that was due on the fourth. There's another one that was due on... Yeah, the biggest one... There was some that was due just before the fourth, but the biggest one was due on the fourth. 
and I had been making plans. Um, and by now, you guys know that ordinarily the rains should have stopped, right? So all of that, my plans was inged on. I'm a farmer. You, for those that, of you that know, I'm a farmer. So, so most of those, my plans was inged on. The rains would have stopped. I would have been able to start selling some of the things that I'm selling because they are dry season products. And the rain has just refused to stop even today. <laughs> you know? So by end of the month, this last month, I was like, I, I kept telling my wife, I need a miracle not to be able to default on, on these obligations. I, that was, it just had to be a miracle. It just had to be a miracle. I kept saying it. <laughs> I kept saying it. Um... So, end of the month came. I had salaries I needed to pay. I had my tithes I needed to pay. I mean, it was just very reasonable that uh, I could say, okay, maybe Sunday is even uh, first Sunday. I can bring my, I can maybe sort out all these obligations and trust God that actually it's God's money, it's tight. I'll trust him and that he will bring it by Sunday, which was the sixth, right? And I'll still be in order, right? Shebi will bring you tithes first Sunday. Eh? But I knew better. So I said to myself, no, 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 this is what I'm going to do. First, as soon as the first clocks, once I get my tithe, the amount that I pay for my tithes, I'm just going to pay it, whether the obligations are ready or not, and I'm going to trust God, and I will even look there. 7 p.m. on the 4th, which was the day that the obligations were supposed to be made, I got, I, 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 the money was complete, bottom line. By the time it was complete, I had only about three or four thousand naira in my account, but it was complete. Amen. Ah, clap for God now. And I don't, I don't have only three thousand again now, because more has come. Amen. My, my point is that I trusted God as first, as, as in, I, 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 I could have used my brain I said, okay, look, God doesn't want me to hold. Let me pay the people I'm hoeing. Then I'll sort out tithes. I could have done that, but I chose and said, no, my tithe is my tithe. And I did that, and God responded. Amen. And he will respond for you also in the mighty name of Jesus. So the tithe is not something, it's in our own interest. It's in our own interest. Think about it. If, for example, you, you, uh, you are struggling with paying with tithes, the way I ask myself is, if, I'm, if I, let's say I earn 100,000, and I'm saying 90,000, if I remove 10% of my tithes, which, which is 10,000 naira, I'm left with 90,000. The 90,000 naira is not enough to pay my bills. People are in that position. They are struggling. How I console myself, or how I, what I tell myself to borrow myself brain, is I say, maybe it's the reason why I'm saying 90,000 is not enough is because God gave 100,000. What if you don't even see that 100,000? My brain always resets. Always. Always resets anytime I think like that. And I just want to encourage someone also to do the same. Praise God. The second person we're going to we're looking at that also experienced some form of open heavens is Ezekiel. So we open Ezekiel 1. Praise the Lord. Ezekiel chapter 1, 
verse 28, 26 to 28, then 2, 1 to 5. Ezekiel 1, 26. Above this surface was something that looked like a throne. This was Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a priest. And God, for the first time, was showing him uh, a revelation. It says, above this surface was something that looked like a throne made of blue lapis lazuli. And on the throne eye above was a figure whose appearance resembled a man. So he was seeing Jesus on the throne. From what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like a gleaming amber, flickering like a fire. And from his waist down, he looked like a burning flame, shining with splendor. All around him was a glowing halo, like a rainbow shining in the clouds on a rainy day. This is what the glory of the Lord looked like to me. When I saw it, I fell face down to the ground and I heard someone's voice speaking to me. So what was the person saying? Stand up, son of man, said the voice. We're in chapter 2 now. Stand up, son of man, said the voice. I want to speak with you. The spirit came into me as he spoke and he set me on my feet. I listened carefully to his words. Son of man, he said, I am sending you to the nation of Israel. A rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been rebelling against me to this very day. They are a stubborn and hard-hearted people. But I am sending you to say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen or refuse to listen, for, for, listen, for remember they are rebels. At least they will know that. They will know they have had a prophet among them. Praise God. So, Ezekiel's heavens was also opened and he saw the heavens. He saw God in all his splendor. And the next thing immediately after that was that God said he wants to talk to him. He wants to, open a me- he wants to release a message to him. He wants to send him on an errand. So there may be someone here also that maybe that's what God wants to do. When God, want, when God opened your heavens on Sunday, his essence of opening the heavens was that he wanted to send you on a message. He wants to say, give, give you a message. Are you attentive to him? Are you, are, you, are, you, are you tuned in to hear what he wanted, what he wants you to do? How do you tune in? Ezekiel resorted to worship. He turned to worship because the Bible says that as soon as he, as soon as he, as soon as he saw all, all, all that he was seeing, he said he fell face down on the ground worshiping he fell face face down on the ground began to worship and afterwards the spirit entered into him and he received the message from the lord what is god saying to you today what is the message that god has for you who does god want to send you to who does god have a message for that he wants you to go and deliver are you tuned in to, to God? Praise God. The third character we're going to be looking at is Jesus. Matthew 3, 16 to 17. Matthew 3, 16 to 17. This is the story of when Jesus got baptized. I'll read it again. Matthew 3, 16 to 17. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened. 
And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved, my dearly loved son, who brings me great joy. Verse 4, chapter 4, verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led, afterwards, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Praise God. This particular story, I, I really, if, um, if there was any doubt in me about whether Jesus is the Son of God, this story, this story is actually for me what, I mean, puts it to rest. Jesus had been alive, doing normal stuff for 33 plus years, and decided to want to start some ministry, and he went to John the Baptist to get baptized. And the Bible says that John, I mean, they had the drama of who should baptize, who, blah, blah, blah. But John the Baptist decided to baptize him. And immediately after he came out, now, John was not baptizing him in, in a bathroom somewhere. It was an open space where there were also a lot of other people that were being baptized. The Bible says that it put him in the water, but brought him out, and the heavens opened. And everybody there heard a sound from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Tell me which other religion, religion has that kind of testimony. I mean, how else can you... I mean, when I read this thing again, I just did a quick Google search about, I just said, um, how did Muhammad catch his revelation? I just did a quick Google search. And the way they described it, that, okay, he will go to a particular place, then he will come back, and his body temperature will be high. And when they move close to him, they will just be hearing all sorts of funny sounds. Then his skin color will turn brighter. Then he will now begin to quote things. Then they write it down and it becomes the Quran. I'm sorry to say, but that sounds like a demonic attack. Hello? What happened to Jesus? The heavens opened. Everybody saw it. Everybody there heard, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. If there is any doubt in you that Jesus is the Son of God, put it to rest. Praise God. <sighs> Back to what we were saying. So, Jesus, the heavens were opened over him. And immediately afterwards, the Spirit was released to him. And the Spirit started leading him. Because the Bible says that immediately left there, he went into the mountains got tempted by Satan. He, he, of course, he, he overcame all the temptations and thereafter, he started his ministry. Amen. When the heavens was opened on Sunday air, there were some people who received the Holy Spirit. Are you going to yield to that Holy Spirit? To, for the Spirit to start leading you question is, now as the Spirit starts leading you, what will you do? What will you do? Because the, the heavens being opened is not just about you alone. It's not just about you. What will you do? Praise God. Stephen, 
Acts chapter 4, sorry, Acts chapter 7, 54 to 60. Acts 7, 54 to 60. He also experienced open heavens in a way. 54 to 60. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation and they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid, and, uh, and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge the, them with this sin. And with that, he died. So his own experience of open heavens immediately, of course, led to his death. But the key thing, the key lesson here was that immediately they were um, stoning him. The only thing he could think of was forgiveness. 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 So the question to you also as you are here is that now that the heavens is opened over you, who are those people that you need to forgive for God to, fu- to, to do fully what he wants to do in your life? Who are those people that you need to release in your mind? In your heart of hearts. Who are the people that you need to let go? Stephen could have said, I'm dying for the sake of the gospel. All these people that are stoning me to death, let them not make heaven. But no, he didn't do that. He said, God, don't hold this as a charge against them. Praise God. Who do you need to forgive? Number five, Saul, Acts 9, 3 to 9. Anytime I'm, recently, anytime I, I, I read about Saul, I always call him in my mind, in my mind though. I always call him Boko Haram. Praise God. Because if you look at what's and what, what he does and what he did rather, it's quite similar to what the Boko Haram guys are doing right now. If, if you ask me, I think it's even worse. Because what do the Boko Haram people do right now? They, they hate Christians, right? They hate Western education. They hate Christians or anybody, any other religion that is not Islam. And they hate it because they think their own religion, Islam, is the way. They think. Now, because they don't have the law backing them, so they're always doing what they do in hiding. They come out, they strike, they go into hiding, they go and hide in Zambiza Forest and the likes and on and on. You know, Saul was a bit different. Saul had approval, a documented approval to kill people that were not Christians. Sorry, that were Christians. As in, he had a law backing him up. So he, he didn't have to do it in hiding. Is God's go and uh, you Christian fall down die? 
So he's worse, if you look at it, than Boko Haram. But God still used him. God used him mightily. So when we see, <laughs> the other time I asked about, uh, <laughs> I asked about what God, what, that, that do we think that the Boko Haram people should go to hell? Someone said, no, that they are hell. They should even increase their own temperature. That's, they, they, I mean, but you see, God has a pl- God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, begotten son. That whosoever, whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever, whether you have been Bokoram before or not, that's the plan of God. If God can use Saul, God can use anybody. Praise God. So, Saul had his own experience of open heavens. It says, okay, let me read from verse 1. It says, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. You hear that? He was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. Jesus Christ was the one they called the way then. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be, you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice. You know, that's how God works, the real God. He doesn't do things that you'll be confused about. Just like when he was declaring that Jesus was his son and he's pleased in him. Same thing. He ensured that the soldiers walking with Saul they heard with their own eye. It wasn't like Mohammed went somewhere and came back shaking and, and people believed him. No. What did he do? God ensured that they... Look. The man with Saul stood speechless. For they heard the sound of someone's voice but saw no one. That means the, the light that Saul saw that blinded him. They probably didn't even see it, but they heard. God could have made sure that, just like they couldn't see this light, they would also not hear the voice. But he does things that there will not be confusion. He does things so that there will not be doubts. So when Saul was saying, look, I heard, there was no confusion about it. When he was saying, no, 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 this is the instruction, this is the new mandate from God. There was, no, there was no need to argue with him, at least for those that were there, because they also heard themse- themselves. So Saul picked himself up f- off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Praise God. So what happened to him? As soon as the heavens opened for him, his own next step was salvation. His next steps was salvation. The next thing he needed to do was to get saved. 
And of course, the, the, God had told him what he needed to do. Go to Damascus and go and meet uh, Ananias. And God had also spoken to Ananias that this guy called Saul, that everybody is running away from, I want to use him. And of course, Ananias started helping him, and he, Saul, started a deeper walk with God. The final character we're going to study is Peter. Luke 5. Luke 5, 1 to 11. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let, now, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for El brought their partners in the other boat and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was all struck by the number of fish that they had caught, and as were the others with him, his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, from now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Praise God. So, here was Peter broke, had toiled all night, nothing caught. The Bible says that the boats were empty. And Jesus stepped in and his heavens opened and he had a bountiful harvest. What you would think, I mean, if Peter was maybe born in this generation, he would immediately just say, ah, what do I start doing now? Should I start processing this fish? Is it now barbecue that I'm going to be selling? Or what? Or I mean, it, it, as soon as the heavens opened, Peter immediately knew that this calling or this new thing that has happened was not about him. He knew immediately that it was not about him. And what did he do? He left his business and followed Jesus. Not only did he leave his business and follow Jesus, his friends... His partners, every one of them followed Jesus along with him. That's James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They followed Jesus also with him. And immediately, they started a ministry to take the gospel to the, to the Gentiles. Praise God. What is it that you would consider to be your next steps right now? These people, Jesus, Stephen, Saul, Peter... Jacob, everybody had different next steps, different things that open heavens did for them. Your heavens have been opened, and they will remain open in the name of Jesus. But you need to realize, in conclusion, that it's not about you alone. The heavens have been opened. 
It is not about you. What would Jesus have you do next? What would Jesus have you do next? Is he is speaking to you? Is it, does he want to send you on an errand? Does he want to send you on a message for someone? Or is it like Peter that he wants to send to the Gentiles? What would Jesus have you do? Is it that Jesus wants you to forgive someone that you are holding a grudge against? Someone that genuinely hurts you? So you are not at fault to say, it doesn't, it doesn't mean you are bad that you are holding a grudge against the person. The person genuinely hurts you. But Jesus is saying, you need to let the person go. Will you is the question. Now that your heavens are open for it to remain open. Because Peter became indeed fishers of men. Which of course was much, much more valuable than fish that will perish. Praise the Lord. What would Jesus have you do as your next steps? That's the end of our teaching. Praise God. Any questions? Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Cause I'm a tassie and they're a shot. Man, the kids are